Hello and welcome to The Sound Architect. I am very lucky to have with me Mr. Greg Trippi, renowned composer. Thanks for joining us. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. And we're going to be chatting about his career so far and just a bit about his recent projects in the future. To start off, let's keep it nice and simple. We ask everyone this question. How did your career in music begin? Where did it all start? Well, um, in music in general, I grew up playing bassoon in the orchestra and in a very classical you know, upbringing. Then I moved into heavy metal and bass guitar and then into electronic music, lots of drum and bass. And then it came back around to classical and film music, you know, specifically being in Los Angeles and working in the film music industry was about 10 years ago. And I got my start doing a fellowship with the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Foundation with Snuffy Walden. Nice. Well done. So bassoon to heavy metal sounds like a bit of a jump and then all the way back around to classical as well. So you, you kind of had your hand at various genres then. Yeah, I've got a lot of different interests in music and different styles that I like. And, yeah. you know, at the time it was a lot of experimentation and just learning new things and maybe a product of where I was living at the time. But, you know, now I find that they all really contribute to how I compose. But yeah, the way the music's put together in each genre, they must all come together somehow. Well, you know, they even kind of cross-pollinate a little bit. Sometimes I find myself using classical orchestration on electronic projects. At the same time, I'll I'll think of some electronic or even heavy metal technique and apply yeah. it towards, you know, traditional acoustic instruments and orchestra. Cool. So do you play quite a few instruments then? Um, you know... I'm not sure what my primary instrument is anymore. Maybe it's guitar, <laughs> but I play a lot of um, a lot of uh, metal drums. I play bass and guitar and piano and smattering of other things. So you don't have a favorite or anything? No, no. But you know, I've I've been playing a lot of hong drum lately, and I, I really identify with it a lot more than anything, just for the the simple joy of sitting down and playing an instrument. Yeah, it's always amazing to just sit down and let yourself go with the music, isn't it? Yeah, it's you know it's something I feel like I got away from for a while. Just the the simple pleasure of just playing an instrument. I think every musician always gets to that point where they feel like they just haven't played enough recently and literally just sat and played. And then when you get back to that moment, it just feels so much better. It's <laughs> yeah, it's inspiring too. You know. Yeah, definitely. It must be where you get a lot of your ideas from. Yeah, they've wound up in a couple scores. Yeah, nice jam sesh. Always always inspiring. Now this this one's a bit of a. Well, it's a bit of an interesting question to see what everyone says, but if you could look back at one major turning point in your career, and if you could you could look back from now and go, that was the moment that defined my musical career, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I met Cliff Martinez about nine years ago, and we got to be friends for a while and hung out and talked about sound design and crazy music stuff for about a year before we worked together, but... During that time, I kind of felt like my, my musical style and sound, my personal one, was kind of forming and really getting refined. And when I started working with him, yeah, I felt like it was much more focused at the point. So, you know, that was a pretty good meeting and um, you know, collaboration to start. Certainly affected the next, you know, nine years of output from me. Big turning point then. Would you say this has been a composer that has been your most inspirational composer to listen to? Cliff Barnes was certainly one of those guys, maybe virtue of working together a lot but um you know before that i was i was into all sorts of stuff all sorts of composers i 
I mean, I loved Danny Elfman growing up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a long list. I could probably sit here and take up your entire podcast. <laughs> Just to hear naming composers. There's a lot of good ones out there, though. There are. Yeah. There are always new ones coming up, too, that I, I listen to a lot of, you know, people that are kind of fresh and different on the scene now. And yeah, I find a lot of different things that I, I get drawn to in different people's music. So according to IMDb, as reliable as it can be sometimes, you've you've had quite a lot of different music related positions on projects so you've not only been a composer you've been a score producer a music programmer an orchestrator a a synth programmer and you know how did you end up just doing so many different jobs for, for different projects you know the funny thing about imdb and specifically music is that you know in a lot of films we have trouble finding titles for what people actually do on the scores a lot of times we just make up titles that <laughs> yeah. maybe approximate what we do. I've been called a, a million different titles for what I do. Uh, we kind of settled a while back on additional music as the standard, but that's another people's things. Uh, sometimes music produced by entails a lot of things and entails everything from additional music to score programming to arranging to orchestration. So yeah, you know, uh, those titles are very, uh, take them with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> We don't know what they mean either. <laughs> well, I was intrigued by synth programmer, if I'm honest. Synth programmer right. sounded quite very, you know, very specific. And I'm not really sure what what that would specifically entail on a project to, to be a synth programmer. Well, a lot of things. I no, I wouldn't really call it like synth, like playing synth. Like it's not, it's not like some um, crazy Moog synthesizer. What, you know, let me tell you about the way that um, Cliff Martinez and I always discussed is that when I, did synth programming i was basically building a lot of the sounds be it textures or custom instruments for scores designing a lot of these these instruments that we use to build the score with and sometimes it's arranging taking parts and building an electronic orchestration basically so it might not be orchestra instruments but it's doing orchestration so sort of like orchestration synthesis if you know yeah, what I mean. we called it synth- synthestration Synthestration. That's, that's a much better word, much better title. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't quite roll off the tongue as easy, though. Yeah, but at least people probably have a better idea than synth programmer of what, what you were doing. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, essentially it all boils down to the idea of, well, you had a synthesizer and you could program it with patch cables or a couple knob turns. That's still making a sound, and that's what's initiating the score. And, and the impetus is that, yeah, well, we've programmed the sound, we like the sound, and we're going to make a score out of it. Yeah, cool. Your most recent project, Dark Places, how did you first get involved? Did you have to pitch? Yeah, I'm sure I did. I, I think I submitted, I know they were looking for a composer and I, I I sent my demo in and they liked it. They called me up, came in, they thoroughly vetted me to make sure I was crazy enough to take on the project. <laughs> really? In what way? Well, they didn't have any time left. They were They were on a pretty short schedule. They kind of needed the score yesterday, and they told me this right up front. And, but, you know, I watched the movie, and I really liked it a lot. I liked the vibe, the tone of it, the darkness, and the places of it. So Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, obviously from the title, you expect so anyway, but it's a very dark kind of theme, isn't it, the whole story? Well, you know, it's not as it's not as dark as I think you'd, you'd gather just from the title, but it's got some very kind of, you know, emotional moments in it. It's got good characters, good good chances to do a variety of melodic and ambient ideas and a lot of experimental things, which is really my favorite type of score to work on. So I was inspired when I saw it. 
and it was easy to write. Yeah. Even given the short the short time period that we needed to turn it around in. Can you say how long you had to write it? I don't remember exactly, but I think it came out to about four weeks total. Wow. But that's including... That was for the whole score. Mixing, recording some orchestra, delivering everything, dubbing, fixing. Wow, and how much music did you end up actually writing for the film? A lot. Not all of it is in the movie, but there was a lot of movie, I mean, a lot of music written for the movie. You mentioned emotion, and I was going to talk about that, really, because from the synopsis where this, this woman re revisits the crime scene of her, her parents being murdered, wasn't it? About 25 years later, she goes back, and it's her parents, I believe, that were murdered at the time. And, you know, that kind of emotional trauma, where do you draw inspiration for that, and how do you try and capture and, and show that in the music? One thing I knew that we didn't want to do was reference the fact that it's a, it, a lot of it takes place in a flashback to the 80s. I think 1985 is when it flashes back to, and we didn't want to reference the time period. There's mm -hmm. plenty of, of songs in the movie to do that for you, but the score really needed a through line to connect the main character Libby to her childhood self. Right. And her adult self, which takes place in the present day. I mean, without getting into the spoilers <laughs> here, the, the actual murder part of it is a very small part of the story that you don't see except for one moment towards the end. And it was a it, the director Gilles wanted a very foreboding and dark interpretation of it, and we tried a couple different approaches at it. And you know what we found is that there are lots of lots of places to have light moments and melodic moments, energetic moments, kind of contrasting against these dark, foreboding, texture-heavy moments. You know, the general approach was that, yeah, when we see the murders, it's it's a very tragic thing, but when they're discussing it in more of the uh, procedural kind of criminal investigation style, it's kind of balancing the way that the lead character remembers it and the way it's affected her life. So it doesn't have to be so, you know, clobber you over the head heavy all the time. <laughs> no, it's got a lot of layers to it, as opposed to just being in your face. So the first steps on this project were probably a bit different with the time constraints you actually had to deal with. But did you still do you have like hard and fast rules of how you start work on a project? Did you have like a, a step one that you always do? Yeah, you know, usually I spend a lot of time thinking about sounds, inventing sounds, recording my instruments and just kind of putting together a palette. I didn't really have that much time this time to do that. But that's usually the first step and you know it still happened on this project just in a much more in a speedier way. Yes. <laughs> so how do you deal with such a, a tight constraint on time? You know, obviously because you have to plan your time accordingly when you're composing, but how, how do you deal with it when you're like, you've got this amount of time, that's it? You know, you just have to budget the time. You, you find out how much music you need to write. You do some simple math and figure out this is how much needs to be done each day. Weekends were basically gone. I bought a second coffee machine. And the only real challenging part about it was that I was working on season one of The Nick with Cliff Martinez at the time, and that was during the day, and Dark Places was during the night. So not a lot of sleep, basically, during that time period. So over the over the course of the years, you've worked on a, a lot of different types of projects. You've worked on TV series, films, documentaries. Do you have like a, a favorite kind of genre to work on? Well, a favorite type of project to work on? Well, I mean, Dark Places was a pretty good example of a style of movie I like to work on. But, you know, I, I like doing different types too i don't i don't want to always do the exact same type of movie i i just finished a film called the babysitter murders which is a great kind of um homage to these 
horror anthologies of the early 80s, late 70s, and kind of like the Halloween style. Oh, like Tales from the Crypt kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, with a very kind of cool twist to it that makes it contemporary. But I had a chance to just do it all with orchestra in that one. So it's very much like a big orchestrated, lots of thematic material, everything from choir and glockenspiel all the way down the line. So yeah, you know, very different sound palette and technique, but I really enjoy doing that stuff a lot. Would you say there's been a particular project or a particular moment that's been your most challenging so far? Yeah, you know, the, everything seems challenging when you start. You're like, ah, how am I going to? How am I going to make this? How am I going <laughs> to yeah. possibly finish this? But when it's done, you're like, oh, that, that turned out okay. It's that blank page syndrome almost, isn't it? When yeah, it is. You always always kind of faced with a new project. Like, whoa, I hope they don't hate me after this. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think of uh, a couple of past experiences that were more challenging than others, but let's just say they all ended fine. Okay. Well, what would you say is the biggest challenge of being a composer then? Oh, well, right now, specifically, I think it's balancing your work with a family. It might just be the new dad in me, but, you know, I, I love spending time with my family and my girlfriend and my, my new son. I love spending time working on music too. So it's, there's a lot of balancing and you know a lot of guys get wrapped up in it and they don't ever see their family because they work outside the house i have my studio in the house so yeah so you're close to home then yeah you know i think it's always a challenge to kind of learn how to you know have a life that has as room to also run your run your uh film music incorporated business so well, it must be difficult because from the nature of the industry as well everything's very on the fly or very short notice and yeah that's definitely the case yeah, I think being flexible is really the, the key and knowing how to budget your time. It's a learning process too. Every, we all spend years learning how to how to do this and then more years learning how to not freak out during downtime, not freak out when it gets busy. And I think it's a real learning process all the time. Yeah, one day we'll all find that balance. <laughs> yeah, or maybe we'll have longer days. Maybe we'll have a 36-hour day and we can all That'll be great. Everything's done. On the other side of the coin, what would you say has been your proudest moment so far then? You know, we um, worked on these Lincoln commercials with Cliff and I, and they had Matthew McConaughey in them. And it was the first thing I worked on after my son was born. And I remember seeing it on NFL championship game during a commercial break. And a little silly, but you know, I'm a huge football fan, American football. <laughs> you know, you, you see the stuff with my, you know, something you worked on on a big game. Like, that was pretty awesome. And my son was there watching it, and he was only like a month old. He was like, oh. I've had several good orchestra experiences too, where you just hear a room full of people playing your music for the first time, and it's, you just can't help but smile from ear to ear. I can only imagine the feeling of that. Yeah, it's very impactful, and you know, uh, sometimes it, it's very daunting too because you have a lot of people over your shoulder staring at you, trying to make sure it's okay and making sure they like it. But yeah, you know, there is something very, yeah, very fulfilling about hearing your music performed by a room full of people. Yeah, I can imagine. So what's what's the next step? What's what's the kind of goal now? Um, the goal now, well, uh, keep working, stay busy. Um, I'm actually moving into a new studio and a new house with my family in a couple of days. So the immediate goal is to take my studio apart and try to remember how to put it back together again. <laughs> Make sure you remember where everything plugs in. Yes, exactly. And um, I'm working on the next season two with Cliff Martin. I'm all deep in that right now. Now, to finish off, we ask everyone this question. And okay. if you could sit down and have a drink with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Not just a music person, just anybody? Anybody. I think my grandfather. 
yeah, I, I wasn't very old when he passed away. I think there's a lot of things I'd like to ask him now that I didn't have the chance to ask when I was a very little kid. I, I, I thought about saying Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, but I don't think we speak the same language, so it wouldn't be a very easy conversation. It'd be very difficult. <laughs> well, that about wraps up our podcast for today. Thanks very much for joining us, Greg. It's been a pleasure having you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you soon.